Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The bad news is that tech lost both of their games. The good news is that I will not be going to another tech baseball game this year, so <laughs> things may look better in the future. The curse is broken. Hopefully. Yeah, the first time I've been back at the new JC Love Field and the first baseball game I've been to, I think, since I've graduated. And Tech drops both of them to ODU, both close games that fell apart at the end. And both games where rain was again an issue. It just felt like I watched the same game back to back nights. And yeah, <laughs> it's been a while since Tech has disappointed me like that in person. So I guess I'm nostalgic for it now. <laughs> So just to be clear, you're not going to any more tech games. Until they get to Omaha now. No, okay. you can't go if they go to Omaha. We'll, we'll have to hold them out. Yeah. We'll, we'll just bring a cardboard we'll just... cut out of you. <laughs> we'll tell With them we a... bought three tickets, and, but we only bought two, and we just <laughs> we'll bring outside the, cardboard the gate cut out. puppy dog eyes. We'll bring the cardboard cut out of Nathan, and then in the eye holes will be cameras, like the White Goodman cardboard cut out on Dodgeball. <laughs> and he can just watch the live feed. <laughs> Oh, man. I have an inventive imagination. So, games, they were not great. They were not great. Yeah, the first game, Tech lost 10-8, to and the second game, Tech lost 8-7. to We knew going in that Old Dominion was an offense-heavy team. We expected two high-scoring games, and they did not disappoint, and... We also knew that Tech's bullpen was an issue, and that... And it did disappoint. They did disappoint. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's jump through this first game. Uh, I mean, again, this was the first time I had been at J.C. Love Field since the reconstruction, and it felt like a very nice minor league baseball park. And I mean that in a good way. A bigger concourse. I was able to get food. They had a couple of concession things they changed up every game, which was nice. The seats were nice. Having a video board was nice, but it took some getting used to. I'm not used to tech having a video board. Just a great experience. Even though both of these games were losses, it was just fun to go to a baseball game again. So what was baseball like back in the 1870s when you were there during Reconstruction? Probably should have seen this coming with two history majors on the show. Yeah. So uh, beyond being marveled by the wonderful new amenities. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm going uh, this weekend. I hope that the it's I hope it's not GTPDD that's causing the problems. And it was just Nathan. What if we've uh, been the problem all along? Maybe we have. So beyond the amenities, Nathan, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the games? Yeah, and another thing about both these games, I mentioned earlier that we they dealt with rain. The first game was suspended at one point and then resumed. But one thing that I noticed, although the crowd was loud, it was it was nice at times, Old Dominion's dugout brought some sort of energy that Tex just did not have. Throughout both games, if they were winning or losing, Old Dominion's dugout was louder than Tex. Maybe Tech was knowing that they were playing in front of the home crowd and hoping the crowd would bring that energy, but the Monarchs brought their own, and I really think that kind of helped them here. Tech jumped on top early in the Thursday game. They were up 3-0 after the first inning. Jonathan Fincher, Jonathan Pitcher, started on the mound. Two perfect innings, but in the third he gave up a couple hits. No big deal. But then in the fourth, the dam broke, and now the game is tied at three. Not great, but again, it's raining. I At one point, they call this game because an Old Dominion pitcher throws a ball that ends up behind a Tech player's head because it slipped out of his hand because of how wet it was. And even though the rain was almost over at that point, they still decided to call the game before someone got seriously hurt. But in the bottom of the fourth, Tech scored four and kind of reopened the gates a little bit. And then Old Dominion scored four themselves in the top of the fifth. Again, <laughs> back and forth. Jonathan Fincher had come out. This is Ryan Jennings now on the mound. I mean, were you watching this game? Because yes. Ryan Jennings did not look very good. Yeah, so actually in, 
in both of these games. So our philosophy was basically let's get all four of our starting pitchers some some action in these two games. Um, so we you know we went with uh, Fincher to start and then brought in Jennings from the bullpen. And I know you know Ben and and other people who have been pitchers before have said like it's just hard to get yourself in a different mindset and like the warm up routine is a lot different. And I mean what he gave up four hits three earned runs and only got one out so he pitched a third of an inning and gave up three earned runs and four hits it's crazy yeah I could, not great I could, I could do that yeah <laughs> could you could you get that one out give me a shot lane burrows that one dude struck somebody out throwing 47 miles an hour i could i could throw that fast don't tell tony larusa <laughs> but after the ryan jennings bullpen experiment ended in a complete failure uh, kyle krieger came in recorded two straight outs so far, so good. Probably he also stays in the game a little too long because in the eighth, again, he came in in the fifth, uh, fatigue really caught up with Krieger and ODU scored three runs off the guy who's used to coming out of the bullpen, Kyle Krieger. But it also really didn't help that the Bulldogs' bats cooled off quickly after they scored four in the fourth. Uh, in the fifth, they were able to draw walks to load the bases. There were three walks in that inning, but they didn't score any runs. <laughs> uh, down in order in the sixth and seventh, Four hits in the eighth, but they were all singles, so only one run was scored. And then with Wells and Bates coming to the plate in the bottom of the ninth, they had a man on, two men on, I believe, right? One big swing. The Bulldogs win this game. They can walk off the Monarchs, a top 25-ranked team. And Wells flies out, and Bates strikes out, Mm. and the game is over. Man, after all the late-game heroics Parker Bates has had this season— both of these games, he had a chance to win at the at the buzzer, if you will, right? And neither of them came true. So I don't know. It sucked because you know you got two men on with one out, and you're like, all right, we got we got the good people coming up to bat, you know, like. <laughs> but then they both uh, got out, which happens, right? Even the best batters are are like 350, you know. That's that's like godlike. Who the fuck yeah. names their entire school after a country music band or a truck shipping line? Who does this? So the yeah the the I don't know who the I, I'm taking it that Parker Bates is our best batter in terms of average or is that someone else? He's well, been yeah, clutch he, he some late in games. Preseason player of the year in the conference, yeah. So we don't have real time batting averages for any of our players, do we? We do. Yeah, oh. well, Parker Bates right now is batting three fifty one on the year. That is really really good. Hunter yeah. Wells, the guy that flew out before him of Tech's usual starters, he has the best batting average of 380. Oh, my God. God, is he batting as much as Bates? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's batting the, 380. Yeah, he's the two hole. Bates is the, the third hitter. And then Taylor Young, the leadoff guy, is batting 328. Yeah. Batting is not the issue. Tech Again, Tech scored oh, yeah. eight runs in this game. Yeah. This the issue be, is that you yeah. allow 10. Yeah, the bullpen is... Uh. It's a, I mean, the starters struggle too, right? I mean, the guy who actually started the game... Jonathan Fincher, I mean, he was great for the first couple innings, and then the second time through the lineup, he struggled. Uh, Ryan Jennings came in. He's a starter, and yet it's it's hard to come in as a reliever when you're not used to it. But at the same time, he also struggled, and that, and he had a great weekend last weekend. He was the best starting pitcher last weekend, and he struggled only a week later. Well, yeah, and, and Fincher was just named uh, one of, what is it, one of three finalists for the Dick Hauser Award. Hey, yeah. R.I.P. Dick Hauser, Kansas City Royal legend, led the team to the 85 World Series. Yeah, so he, I, I don't know what that award is for. I'm trying to find it right now. I assume some kind of pitching award. Are we sure it's not the Doogie Hauser Award? Oh, it's no, College Baseball's so. National Player of the Year. 
presented by the Jesus National God. Collegiate Baseball Writers Association. Uh, I didn't realize Dick Hauser was that big of a deal in college baseball. And have wow, Fincher was one of three finalists. Oh, no. Oh. Three, oh, Jesus. He is one of three CUSA finalists. Uh, so there is a much longer list of finalists, and Fincher is one of the be like, finalists from Fincher. the conference. Okay. That's like a first. That's like winning. If you're like a top three finalist for that, I would assume you'd be like a top three draft pick. Right. Also which, named to the Conference USA All Academic Team today. So congrats to Jonathan Fincher. Pretty yeah, big. No. Uh, pretty big day for him. Yeah. Fincher's not going day. back next year. Fincher. Fincher's getting drafted. Yeah. I, I'm curious to know where he would go if drafted. I know the MLB draft is kind of volatile, and we'll have to find out. Go to the Royals, please, for the love of God, so I can quit going to these games and making myself obese off hot dogs just to watch their bullpen crumble. Maybe you shouldn't go at $1 hot dog night then if that's the issue. <laughs> well, to be fair, they're $1 hot dogs. Yeah. That, that's and it was point. firework night, and we lost, and they still blew off the fireworks. The BBB would have been a smoldering crater. I was about to say, speaking of athletic programs that shoot off fireworks after losses, we have another loss oh, to talk God. about. Yay. No fireworks this time. Friday night, same team, same result. Tech drops the second game, 8-7. to seven. Actually out-hitting the Monarchs 12-11, to 11, but falling again late in the, the final couple of innings, allowing three run, runs in the 7th and four in the 8th uh, to allow Old Dominion to complete yeah. the comeback. This one felt a little worse, honestly, because, yeah. I mean, it, it felt even more like we had it under control, especially through those middle innings, and then it, it just... It fell apart late and we had another chance to win it in the bottom of the ninth and you know just, just didn't uh, do it like my boy d matthews would say it was a typical situation indeed in these typical this times started with such great pitching too that's not one of Kate the lyrics Gibson. nathan <laughs> no, i'm doing a cover <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Kate gibson gets the start and through the first six he's almost untouchable yeah old dominion adds a run in the beginning of the first inning but after that, it's a bunch of goose eggs all the way until that seventh inning. Starts the seventh with a giving up a home run, then a single, a single, and a double. All right, it's time yes. to get the hook. Maybe he shouldn't have been in the game that long. But at the same time, when your bullpen's as bad as it is, you have to ride your starters until they show you that they are, they need to be taken yeah, out. At some point, when does it start getting a little silly? Because if you're out there and you're and you're starting to get blasted like that, you're like, I'd be looking over at Coach. Like Harry Potter looked at Hermione and Ron when Dobby was dying. Help me. Like, come on, man. Like, but at the same time, he hasn't allowed a hit since the first inning. I guess, but after well, but, you get... Okay. Well, can, you give me, can you please give me the sequence again? It was a homer. Yeah. Okay. Home Gives run, up single, okay. single, okay. double. Okay, that's what... Okay. After a home run and a single... I, hindsight, sure. But after the home run and then a single, you're thinking to yourself, okay, did they at least do it like a mound visit? Did they do anything? They did some mound visits in there. I mean, they're not on the box score, and I don't remember exactly when they happened, but I do remember a couple of them taking place. The issue is, too, okay, so the home run's on a 2-2 count, and then he only throws one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more pitches before he gets pulled. They didn't have time to warm the guy up. Uh, are there rules regarding warm-up times and how long a mound visit can be, how many you get? Yeah. I don't know if there's a rule about warm up time so much as just like you don't want to bring your guy in cold, you know, but well, sure. But can't you bring him out there cold and give him a little longer to warm up? Or is there like rules and regulations? There's a time on that. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Because in the majors, there is. There are a limit of six defensive conferences per game, only three for coaches. Uh, So the catcher can come out and talk, but only three times can a coach come out and not have the pitcher pulled in the game. I see. 
Well, so yeah, so Landon Tompkins comes out, right? I mean, tech is, is starting to fall apart here, but um, we have the offense. Yeah, there, there are men on base. A guy's at third and a guy's at second, but and no outs. This is not ideal, but Tech's offense has shown up and they showed up the previous night. So who's to say they can't score more than three runs on Friday night? And Tompkins does pretty much immediately throw a wild pitch. It gets scored as a passed ball, but <laughs> one six of one, oh, half yeah. a dozen of the other. Uh, then gets three straight strikeouts, though. Yeah. So Tech's only down 4-3. And you're feeling pretty good, I guess. I mean, it could have been much worse when you have runners at second well, and third. When he threw that wild pitch, I think it was his first or second pitch on the mound. You're like, oh, great. Here we fucking and, go. <laughs> and something I can att- contribute since I was at the game, I was watching his warm up because I've called him my boy for weeks now. So I, I, I'm enjoying being able to watch him pitch in person. His warm up tosses were not close. <laughs> oh, no. He threw to the backstop two or three times during warm ups. I was nervous as soon as a batter entered the batter's box of a hit by pitch more than anything, but he found it. He was able to bring back control a little bit and strike out those three guys after still not having quite the control you'd hope he would when he entered the game, but he still wasn't the most accurate. It still felt like there were times where I was worried a ball might get past Corona, even during those strikeout at bats. And so when I saw him come back out for the eighth, I was nervous because he did not look like the best version of himself on Friday night. Mm. Shameful. But before the eighth though, we had the bottom of the seventh and that was, uh, that was a pretty good half inning. Uh, starts out with a Taylor young single with one out and then Wells singles and Bates gets walked to load up the bases followed by a two RBI single from Garcia, uh, taking that lead back five to four. Then they swap their pitcher out and McConnell strikes out immediately. Um, giving us two outs with, I think, a couple runners on base and then Netterville singles up the middle to make it six to four. And then a wild pitch scores Garcia making it seven to four before the end of the inning. So yeah, feeling great after the seventh inning. Yeah, but it's still seven to four. I I was sitting in the stands. I was kind of trying to do the mental math of how many runs do we have to score in this half inning before I feel like we've got this. And (laughs) I wasn't too happy with the answer that I came up with. Was it 420? Something like that. Yeah. Something that high. And the top of the eighth showed you why. Because Old Dominion grabs the lead after Landon Tompkins comes back out there and walks the first guy and then gives up a single. And here's where get things get interesting. Jarrett Worf, who I had assumed was not even available this weekend after he had some minor injury, he's put in the position where you need your best pitcher on the mound. Kyle Krieger pitched the previous night. Whether or not he's available, who knows. I don't understand how Burroughs has used Krieger these past few weeks. But the idea Sexually. is, who's your best pitcher that's available right now? Jarrett Worf. All right, you have two men on. You're up by three. Throw your best pitcher out there and see what happens. And I understand where that's coming from. But in retrospect, it's pretty obviously it wasn't the right idea. Yeah, I mean, you need that's six baseball, outs though. to win the game, right? It, it's it's understandable. And you wanted to get Worf a little bit of action to keep him, you know, keep his head in the game. But you didn't want this kind of action. <laughs> And also as a starter, you said earlier that Ben had mentioned when you're a reliever versus a starter, it's a different headspace. It's a different, it's, it's harder to, to adjust that in the middle of the year. And yeah, it's, it must be even harder to do it when you're coming in a game with runners on base. The previous game, uh, when Ryan Jennings came in, it was an empty frame. He was coming in at the, the very beginning of that inning. Mm-hmm. When Tompkins walked two batters and then Worf came in, he's not pitched an inning so far this year where he has runners. He did not yeah. give the bases to himself. 
Well, but what I mean, he might though this week and and in regionals, he might inherit True. a situation like that because hey, if you're in, you know, if you're in the 7th inning of a double elimination game where you win or go home, like yeah, you're going to put your best pitcher out there whether he's a starter or not. So, I mean, good to get this experience, not necessarily the way it went down, right? Which I guess we should go ahead and say uh he yeah. immediately gives up what is that two hits in a row a single and a double to score uh two runs and then gets a guy to ground out but then throws a wild pitch scoring another run giving them the lead uh so i think that's the second time in this game they took the lead on a wild pitch yeah but if the if the wind and nathan maybe you can talk about this because you were there but if the wind had been blowing towards the outfield i think both of these balls might have been home runs that he got flyouts on to end this inning there were several times throughout yeah. both of these games where the teams possibly had home run balls that were knocked down by wind or a lot of times rain. Uh, but the the score on the wild pitch, because that ends up being the winning run. That's the, the run that matters. And yeah, it was a wild pitch that scored the guy. But after that, there are two flyouts to the outfield, both of them deep enough that they would have scored the runner from third anyway. So the wild pitch doesn't bother me because yeah. it, the, the, that run would have scored no matter what. What bothers me is allowing the single and the double when you first come out to the mound. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair too, Dave Nitz has said a lot of times this season that Worf seems to clamp down and get better when he has runners on base. So maybe that's what coach was thinking, putting him in instead yeah. of starting him off. Uh, and also Tompkins struck out three straight batters in the seventh. So you can't really fault Lane Burroughs for putting him back out there to start the eighth. Um, Until I reread this box score, it, watching the game in the moment, I didn't remember the fact that he had struck out three guys because I'm watching the game. I'm not taking yeah. that detailed of notes kind of thing. I just remembered his wild inaccurate, inaccurate yeah. pitches that happened at times. I don't remember the good parts, which I think is a lesson we all need to learn about watching tech sports. Remember the good times. There were none. <laughs> oh no. Debatable. There, right, okay. This, this game definitely wasn't Yeah, exactly because going to the bottom of the ninth, here we go. We have the three, four, five batters coming up. Bates, Garcia, and McConnell. Tech is still down eight to seven. Bates on a one-two count singles through the right side, getting on base. The winning run is now at the plate, and it's Manny Garcia. Oof. Oh, yeah. two count. Well, first with a zero-zero count, swings out of his shoes. <laughs> Did he actually? Then do gets that? a piece of the next one. Another not great hittable pitch, at least from my vantage point. How ferocious then, did your swing need to be in order to evacuate yourself from your shoes? I mean, he was going for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can call MythBusters up real quick. We can, we can, we can figure this out. We can do the math. Yeah. So continuing. Yeah, but he was swinging for the fences. It looked, I, and I realize I don't know if this this reference will will hit with either of y'all, but it looked like watching Javier Baez for the Cubs. His whole thing is he'll swing at anything. Oh. When he hits, it's great, but he swings at a lot of bad things. And Manny Garcia like, is not usually that kind of guy, but he was like in a, this at bat. Vladimir Guerrero, who, yeah. who would swing balls that were scraping off the ground <laughs> at times. Yeah, but he strikes out, but there's still, all right, one out. Cole McConnell at the plate. You're not feeling great. You'd much rather be winning than losing. But you, you have the winning run at the plate, another chance to walk it off. Mm. And McConnell on a... Zero zero count. So he steps into the batter's box, hits the ball hard Man. off the bat. I'm wondering, okay, is it even is it making it through to the outfield? Because it's straight up the middle. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it was a line drive straight up the middle. I mean, it was going to be a base hit for sure. But there's another player on defense uh, that's straight up the mi- middle. 
Yeah. It's the pitcher. Pitcher catches it, th- throws it to first to double up Parker Bates, who uh, the pitcher can't blame basically him. moves to get out of the way. And like, cause you know, a ball's coming at you full speed. He kind of kind of like bends backwards and his arm like naturally comes up as he bends backwards. And the ball, he he catches the ball in his glove and just calmly throws it to first. And Parker Bates is just standing there between first and second base. Like, seriously? Like, did that just fucking happen? Yeah, I don't think I've ever surrendered Cobra in real life until that moment. (laughs) The ball coming off that bat, I was like, I was like, oh, man, we're right in it. You know, he's not going to score on that play. But yeah, shot. I think I think it's probably first and second with one out with uh who would that be Corona is Corona after McConnell who's after McConnell it doesn't matter whoever's coming up next Netterville Net oh shit yeah we got a chance hell yeah one out first and second with Netterville up I mean and then Matulia following him and and McConnell and Bates are the basically the two fastest players we have I think in the starting lineup so I mean a double from Netterville is a walk off win you know so. Yeah, it it sucks, and it is a very much like the airs let out, and especially since both of these games kind of ended that way, where you got Parker Bates up one swing of the bat away from you know walk off win again, which just happened what last weekend or was that two weekends ago? It all runs together late in the season. I think he did that against UTSA. Yeah, yeah. Stuck one ten to seven and eight. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, just a a frustrating way for both of these games to end, and hopefully we don't have to play ODU again. I guess. <laughs> That's the hope. Uh, but Tech is actually still ranked first in a few of these Conference USA, or top 25 polls at least. Uh, falling a bit, RPI fell to number 29, fell to number 18 in D1 baseball. But, and it's hard to remember this after two straight losses, we played one great team in both of those games, and they were both very close. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, like, oh, well, it, oh, there's always next year. That That's starting to happen. And we haven't even gone to the conference tournament yet. Yeah, and, and no matter what happens in the conference tournament, we're in the postseason. Like, that's a really... I, I don't remember ever really being in that situation. I know in baseball it's happened, but, but like, we're probably going to be at two-seed at worst, you know, in and, the in the NCAAs. And, like, that's crazy. Like, Yeah, can I have a, a very much wrong opinion that both of y'all will hate, and I'm sure everyone who listens hey, to this will hate? This is a safe space. Go ahead, Nathan. It is absolutely not a safe space, but... <laughs> Do we even want to host a regional? Yes. Why is that a question? Because here's why that's a question. Our home record is 19 and 10. Our away and neutral site record is 17 and 6. Okay, but in terms of growing our program, though, I mean, look, are we no, I, are we really yeah, thinking no, we're going to win the College Culture, World yeah. Series and be national champions this year? I mean, I'm not. No, but, I, wow, but here fuck you, bud. is our best chance of even. All right, so what's if the end goal is making it to Omaha and I'm forget about the economic impact to Rustin and how much the community and potentially future sponsors of the show will, will help will be helped by this. But if, if we're only taking a look at what will help us get to Omaha, will playing at home help us? No. One of the things I noticed when we, when old dominion was playing was how much their, their bench brought their energy and Tex was relying on the crowd to bring the energy and maybe in a, NCAA regional, the crowd brings more energy, but there are a lot of times against old dominion where the crowd started to fall flat quickly and it felt like it was Old Dominion's game to lose, and they just did. So I know I'm wrong, but it feels yeah. like we may have a better chance as a two seed than a one seed. In terms of first, though, like this would be the first time we've yeah. ever done that. Yeah, we want that because that helps get the recruits on board. You know, that helps 
take people away from these other schools that have hosted regionals like Southern Miss and ULL and places like that. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Right. I mean, shit, put us in the old Miss regional. We beat the shit out of them at home and we're better on the road. So let's, let's go there. <laughs> but, uh, no, but actually put us in Texas if we're not going to host in Ruston, cause then I can go, but I'd rather be in Ruston where I can also go. So that's my take on that. So we don't know if we're hosting the NCAA regional yet, but we do know that we're hosting the Conference USA tournament this week. So let's go ahead and preview that. We're all going to die. Yes. Well, I mean, seven uh, of the eight teams well, will because there are eight teams that yes. enter. One team will leave and it's double elimination. So there's a pretty good chance that even oh. that one team gets beat up a little bit. I was going to say, I didn't know how the format worked. Yeah, yeah. Unlike the softball tournament, this is a true double elimination tournament. You want to kind of explain what that is, Evan? Yeah, so you say true double elimination tournament, but it's kind of interesting because there are actually two double elimination brackets here, um, four teams on each side. And so basically the way that it works is for those unfamiliar with double elimination as a concept, it means that you lose one game, you get put into the loser's bracket, and then you can kind of claw your way back into it by beating the other teams in the loser's bracket and then you have to beat the winner of the regular bracket twice, and then you get to play for the championship. So essentially, you got the one seed, the eight seed, the four, and the five all on one side, and those teams will play a double elimination bracket, and then the winner of that bracket will play the winner of the two seed, seven seed, three seed, and six seeds bracket. Does that make any sense at all? No, I, just I mean, that? On, honestly... Who wrote these rules? David Lynch? Well, here, here's why. Here's why this is done. Because what you don't want to do is what the goal is, is to create a title game. That was such and a good joke and nobody got it. That was such I, a good joke. You want to tell it one more time? I'm sure it's funnier the second time. No. I, I, I heard mean, it I, and I didn't get it, so I'm sorry. I said, who wrote these rules? David Lynch? God, that was such... I need new friends. David Lynch is an American filmmaker, painter, Figu- visual He's, artist. He said Figaro. Thank you. <laughs> I had to save our friendship. David, um. yes. <laughs> David Lynch wrote incredibly convoluted movies uh, that were very strange and odd, such as Blue Velvet or uh, Eraserhead or Twin Peaks. You probably have heard of Twin Peaks. That's I his TV show. Okay. So anyway, so uh, a very confusing format. Yeah, the goal is to put one championship game in place. Yeah. And an actual, what should be called a true double elimination tournament, you would have one team that has no losses versus another team that has one loss. And if the team with one loss won in that championship game, they'd have to play it again. So this way, you end up with two little mini tournaments, and then they the winners of both those two four-team tournaments will play each other for the title. Both Evan and I have now said this out loud, and it probably would be easier if this was a video or a text-based thing, but just take our word for it. Yeah, this way there is one championship game. It's on CBS Sports Network at 1 p.m. on Sunday, uh, May 30th. Sunday. Yeah, so everything else, you know, with, with like the College World Series, which is a true double elimination eight-team tournament, it's kind of like, well, we don't know exactly how many games <laughs> there will be. We don't know exactly when the champion will be crowned, but but with this format, you do know that. So with all that being said, it also means that the only way that Tech will get to play against any of the teams from the top half of the bracket is in the title game. So 
that excludes Old Dominion, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, and Middle Tennessee, um, unless we're in the title, in which place, in which case we would play one of those teams, not all four of them. Yeah, and meanwhile, on Tech's side of the bracket, Tech will play UTSA in the first game, and then, depending on how things go, we'll play, hopefully, or we will, because we can lose one and still be in the tournament, uh, Southern Miss or Western Kentucky, or possibly both. Who knows? But until one of those four teams makes it to the championship game, Tech won't face the other side, the teams that Evan just listed. Um, I think what we want to do here is kind of go through these early matchups and kind of do a little mini preview of each of these teams just to kind of get an idea so that we also don't feel obligated to record a podcast every time Tech plays a baseball game from here on out because that would be tiring. And impossible. (laughs) And yeah. So let's start off with a team that we are very familiar with because we played them the most recent Against a team that we haven't played all year, Old Dominion and FAU, and the 9 o'clock a.m. Wednesday time space in Ruston, Louisiana. Evan, what can you tell me about these teams? Yeah, Old Dominion, 38-14, and 14, coming off two wins here in Ruston. I think they're still hanging out, um, probably at the, the, what's it called, Garden by Hilton or whatever in Ruston. Um, I saw one of them at Rotolo's. <laughs> They uh they went twenty two and ten in conference and are the four seed. They are currently ranked number twenty fourth in the nation according to D one baseball and they're twelfth in RPI, which I believe is the highest in conference actually. Um, but they did not bid for a spot to host, so they're not in that conversation. Um, their notable results this season: they beat Tech twice. They went four and four against the number one seed in the conference, Charlotte and they beat number 11 East Carolina in a single game. They also won three of four games at FAU, who's their opponent um, in this game. So um, over on the Owls side of things, they went 30 and 23 overall. They are currently unranked number 60 overall in RPI. Um, They went 0-4 against Charlotte, 2-2 against Southern Miss, and they beat a couple of Florida teams in the Gators and Hurricanes. Not so great in the quad one games. Um, ODU went 13 and six, whereas FAU went six and 13. So, yeah, I mean, seems like a pretty, pretty straightforward matchup. But do you have any players for us to look out for here, Nathan? Yeah, I'll hit a little heavier on FAU since we, you know, just played and saw Old Dominion. Yeah. Uh, the Owls, their best batter is Nolan Shanuel. Shanuel, sure. And B.J. Murray are the two best guys, both of OPSs of over one. And B.J. Murray is their big home run hitter. 22% of the time he gets a hit, it's over the fence. Mm. Uh, Starting pitcher-wise, Hunter Cooley is their best, but he's still not all that great. 3.57 ERA uh, gives up a lot of hits, not as many walks, um, and also a lot of times limits the damage to just singles. But they also have another couple guys with ERAs around four, but they don't have a true shutdown starting pitcher. Coming out of the bullpen, though, they have one guy who's has some pretty good numbers but hasn't been used a lot, Thomas Haggardly. He's only pitched seven innings, but his ERA is 1.29. If I were the Owls, I'd be pitching him more. The guy they use the most, though, is Sam Drumheller, 4.14 ERA with 37 innings pitched out of the bullpen. Uh, ODU-wise, I mean, we just saw rather than go through their actual numbers, Tommy Bell had a double and a triple in the first game. Uh, Kenny Lavari had a home run in the first game and then a double in the second game. And Carter Trice... Hit a home run in that second game, too. OB so, Trice. Yeah, you got it right there. Yeah, you got it. That's they also did a thing where they threw every single pitcher they had on the team in these two games. So it's kind of hard to, sh- to see exactly how uh, yeah. different guys go. 
But yeah, so, so that's, that's those two teams. Let me ask the first question here. Which of these two teams would you guys rather play in the championship game, um, given the choice? Uh, FAU. Yeah, we're starting yeah. with the easiest one, I think. The one that yeah. hasn't swept us. Definitely, yeah. The one that didn't just beat us twice back-to-back two days yeah. ago. <laughs> FAU. Yeah, and then, all right, let's go ahead and make a quick prediction. Who do you think wins this game uh, and moves on in the winner's bracket? Nathan, Old Dominion. You... Okay, Matt goes first. I will then. concur. Old Dominion. Yep, same. So um, it won't happen. Yeah, so of <laughs> course Florida Atlantic will win by a lot. All right, who we got next, Nathan? Yeah, next up is the other game in that other side of the bracket. It's number one seeded Charlotte versus eighth seed Middle Tennessee State. This game will be played at 1230 on Wednesday in Ruston. Uh, Charlotte is 39 and 17 so far on the year with a conference record of 24 and 8. Middle Tennessee is one of these teams that just kind of goes against everything baseball because they have a tie on their record at 23, 27 and 1. Charlotte is ranked 22nd. Middle Tennessee is not ranked in D1 baseball. And Middle Tennessee's RPI is 230 compared to Charlotte's yeah. 18. I mean, looking at looking at the rest of the teams in this conference, the next lowest is Western Kentucky at 145. So Middle Tennessee kind of snuck in here. And CUSA is a really, really good conference, but it has a big drop-off around that 7-8 seed spot. Yeah, but some of, some of those notable games, like I mentioned before, uh, Charlotte beat up on Tennessee. I think they won like 11 to nothing in that game. Tennessee's like top five team in the country this year. They got swept by East Carolina. They swept FAU. They won 11 straight conference games in April um, before dropping one to UTSA. Um, went six and seven in quad one, but Charlotte and Middle Tennessee did not play this season um, because Middle Tennessee was on the Western side for baseball um mtsu i mean they're really only there's not much impressive on their resume to be honest they beat western kentucky twice um they lost eight straight games to tech and usm which were all eight of their quad one games so they're zero and eight in quad one this one seems pretty cut and dry but why don't we look at some players to look out for here nathan especially on charlotte because we might you know we should be looking out for them in the championship game this is kind of interesting. Again, we haven't played Charlotte. We have Middle Tennessee, so we, we've heard some of these names before. But the 49ers are a hitting first team, and their pitching is okay. I mean, what's that like? I've never heard of a team in, in Kusa <laughs> being like that before. Meanwhile, yeah. Middle Tennessee is a pitching-heavy team. Uh, I'd kill for their bullpen right now. Probably not literally, but maybe literally. Uh, Charlotte's <laughs> best hitters, uh, they have two guys over with an OPS of over one, and David McCabb and Austin Knight. Uh, both those guys... Very solid hitters. McCabe is possibly one of the best home run hitters in Conference USA. 31% of the time he steps up to the plate, he gets a hit. 31% of that time that he gets a hit, it's a home run. Oh, wow. The dude, the dude can hit the long ball pretty well. Uh, Austin Knight, the second best guy, he's more of a single-double kind of guy. But both these guys on the same team spells trouble for any team that will try to pitch to them, just like Middle Tennessee will. Middle Tennessee does not have a hitter with an OPS of over 0.8. Oh, man. Yeah, they they don't hit the ball very well, but they do do. That's kind of funny to say. Is ah. pitch. They have, just like Tech, a one starter that has an ERA of under three. Theirs is Peyton Wigginton, who has only allowed a home run on 8% of the hits he's allowed so far, which is a pretty good number to have right there. And now the bullpen, David Zaz, who's a guy that Tech was able to get a hit on when we played against them. Uh, he still has an ERA of 1.63. Still one of the best relievers in Conference USA. So... I'm said, real curious in this one game to see if Charlotte's able to hit Middle Tennessee as, as well as they've been able to hit other people. 
So you said they don't have a single batter over 0.8. There are eight players <laughs> on our roster who have a an OPS of actually point Garcia's 0.926. He's the lowest of that group of eight. So um, that is fascinating. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Charlotte. Okay, Nathan. I think Middle Tennessee gets this one. It's baseball. One game sample sizes are difficult. It's there's a reason why this is a double elimination tournament. I don't think Charlotte's out after two games or anything, but I think Middle Tennessee at least takes this one with their best pitchers on the mound trying to survive as long as possible. Fair enough. Um, so I'm the tiebreaker here for our GTPDD official bracket, and I'm going Charlotte. Uh, sorry, Nathan. Um, I just think, you know, they've they've won a lot of big games. Uh, MTSU hasn't shown really any spark against the better teams they've played. They didn't really play a tough schedule outside of, like mandated conference games, um, whereas Charlotte kind of did go out there and play some out of conference games and and a tough. Um, they didn't play the toughest conference schedule. They missed out on us and Southern Miss. But yeah, I mean, um, as far as the team that I would rather see in the championship game, obviously that's MTSU. We swept them on the road, so I think we can all agree that we'd rather see MTSU than a Charlotte team we haven't faced that likes to hit a lot. So yeah. Uh, with that being said, do y'all want to go ahead and, and pick the rest of this East bracket here real fast? All right, so game five would be the loser's bracket game between FAU and MTSU. We don't need to recap those teams or anything, just gut feeling. Who you got, Nathan? I don't think FTSU is going to be in this game, but I'm still picking FAU to win it. Okay, fair enough. You don't have, yeah, <laughs> if you disagree with the pick, you know, whatever. Matt, who you got between FAU and Middle Tennessee? FAU. All right uh sane then we've got in the winner's bracket old dominion versus charlotte which is an interesting matchup they went four and four against each other in the regular season so not much to get from there um i'll start us out here and say i think old dominion gets the better of them in this game and uh yeah what do you guys think i want to say charlotte but that's probably more being me being hopeful than anything i'm trying to get rid of old dominion as quickly as possible it's all about it's all about charlotte all right so Nathan, you picked Charlotte losing in the first round, but then you picked them moving on to the semifinals. So that's an interesting Yeah, it takes a game. They got to get their feet wet. Yeah. All right. So now we got Old Dominion versus FAU in an elimination game. Who you got? I got Old Dominion. Okay. I will also take Old Dominion. No. It doesn't matter what you think. We already have two against. <laughs> Are you going Florida or the Owls here, Matt? I've got, uh, no, I've got, I've got Old Dominion. <laughs> All right, so then a rematch between Charlotte and Old Dominion um, here in the next round. Who you got this time? I picked Old Dominion last time. I'm riding with them again here from the loser's bracket. I don't even remember, but I'm picking Charlotte just to give Matt the tiebreaker. It's going to be Charlotte. Okay. All right, well, that would mean Charlotte is through to the championship game because they would not need to beat Old Dominion a third time. So that is the that is the conclusion of the top half of the bracket there. Charlotte comes out on top as the one seed. Not very surprising. I don't know if that makes for good podcasting or not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I'm sure filling out a bracket on paper is the most interesting thing people can listen to. So, yeah. 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 Maybe I'll just have add some like sirens or some some air horns in the background while that happens to make it a little more exciting. Figaro. But, but one game that I hope isn't going to be exciting. <laughs> but one game I hope that isn't going to be exciting is when Tech plays UTSA because we've seen them recently. And I just hope we take care of business in our opening round game. Uh, yep. Evan, you want to kind of preview these teams, even though one of them we know very well because we've been following them all year and the other we just saw a week ago? Yeah, so Louisiana Tech, if you haven't, you know, if you're Founded in 1894 in Lincoln Parish, Louisiana. 
yeah, this game's at 4 p.m. scheduled for Wednesday. Um, we should note all these games except the championship game are on ESPN+. And we should also note that the game times are likely to shift around based on how long each game takes. Um, so don't turn on ESPN Plus at 4 p.m. and be mad when it hasn't started yet. That's not my fault. Tech on matter. the year, the the notable results I wrote down here, two losses to LSU, one and two against Arkansas, a win against Mississippi State, five and three against Southern Miss, and 0 oh and two against Old Dominion. So those are kind of our, you know, top opponents. Um, we went eight and nine in quad one games, and we played UTSA four times and won three. So um, those were also at home last week. So you probably all remember UTSA went 22 and 24 on the season. Um, they are not ranked currently and they are number 73 in RPI. So not too bad as the seven seed, considering that the eight seed is number 230. Um, they were swept by LSU, swept by Southern Miss. They beat Charlotte and beat Old Dominion twice to go four and 16 in quad one. So they actually played 20 top flight opponents this year, but only managed four wins. So UTSA, I think is a, also a hitting team. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, they have a couple pretty good pitchers as well, but their, their bats are really kind of what carries their entire team. They like tech. They, they have two people who have an OPS of above one in Leighton Barry and Nick Thornquist, but even going down the list, they have a, a 0.994 guy in Dylan Rock and 0.992 guy in Griffin Paxton. Uh, like Tech, most of their starting lineup can hit. It's not just one or two guys carrying the lineup. But also like Tech, they have a starting pitcher with an ERA of a below three. But unlike Tech, they have two of them. Uh, Jacob Jimenez, uh, who has an ERA of 2.19, who Matt had to show me the pronunciation last time we talked mm-hmm. about UTSA. He's only pitched 12 innings so far this year, though, so I wonder if he's hurt. I don't remember seeing his name when Tech and UTSA played a few weeks ago, so he may or may not be uh, out there in the tournament. Shane Daughtry, though, probably will be ERA of 2.25 for him. Mm. Um, But yeah, the bullpen is a problem for the Roadrunners, just like it is for Tech. These are two teams that look very similar. I think Tech is better talent-wise, and you know, hopefully I'm wrong about the whole home field disadvantage. But yeah, I feel decently good about this and that a lot has to do with prior results against them not too long ago yeah and this is the opening round game so you know that that fourth game we had against them where we kind of got to the end of their bullpen and just lit them up that's not really going to happen in this game um but hopefully you know they try to they try to conserve some energy on some guys or something i'm not really sure what the strategy is for pitching in conference tournaments but we'll find out so what do we think will happen here? Do we think that Tech does what they did a couple weeks ago and, and takes it? what would be the majority of games from UTSA and here would be one and moves on to the next round of the winner's bracket? Or do we think that UTSA, having seen Tech pitching a few times, is able to put up enough runs to to take this one? I got Tech. I think, I think we'll be ready. Um, I think the bats can overwhelm most of the opponents in this tournament and hopefully the pitching will get back to that kind of March, early April form. Um, but I don't know. But I, I got tech. I'm confident about this game. I'm right there with you. Nathan, you going to break my heart? I think UTS, UTSA is taking the first game. It doesn't matter because we're doing this tournament-based and it's already two to one. I think tech starts off in the loser's bracket. Wow. Right off the bat. All right. Well, we will come back to that because we got Southern Miss and Western Kentucky to give a brief rundown here of... Um, Nathan, you want to give me a little bit about these teams? 
Yeah, Southern Miss is 19th ranked in D1 baseball. Western Kentucky is not ranked at all. Kind of this version, this side of the brackets version of Middle Tennessee. Western Kentucky is 26 and 27 on the year, 15 and 17 in conference. Meanwhile, the Golden Eagles are 35 and 17 and 22 and 9 in conference. RPI wise, Southern Miss is 25, Western Kentucky 145. And when we talk about their notable results and games that they play against other opponents, Southern Miss has been mediocre to good against some good teams, and Western Kentucky has been mostly bad. Do you want to kind of go through those real quick, Evan? Yeah, I mean, Southern Miss, 6-7 and seven in, against quad one opponents, um, including a win against Alabama, a loss against Mississippi State. They did sweep ULL, which is, I don't think they're quad one this year, but that's always fun. Um, and they went three and five against tech. So there's three of your quad one wins right there. Honestly. So Southern Miss Charlotte and tech are the ones going for host site here from the conference. And I, I don't see the resume from Southern Miss to do it. I mean, they only played 13. I mean, we only have two more quad one wins, but I don't know. Six and seven just doesn't strike me as good enough, but their RPI is higher than ours by a couple points. So and I think um, whoever wants the tourney is an automatic host. Yeah. If it's one of those three schools. Yeah. Unless it's MTSU. <laughs> or even Old Dominion. I mean, because of yeah. how you had to pre-bid and everything. But yeah, and but, D1 Baseball, we can talk about this a little bit more in a second. D1 Baseball only has one Conference USA team hosting in their predictions. I'm not quite yeah. sure if that's true, but I definitely think at least the team that wins the tourney hosts if it's one of those three schools oh yeah for sure um and then on the western side of things they kind of stole three games uh they went three and ten and in, in quad one and all three of those wins one was against charlotte in a four-game series one against southern miss and one against old dominion all those in four-game series so nothing super impressive from them they're the sixth seed and honestly i kind of wish they were the seventh seed and we got to play them first because it seems like they're not as good as the seven seed UTSA and that's just how it how it played out I guess yeah it's it, Old Dominion is what the four seed it this is a weird it's yeah. always weird when you have multiple very good teams in a conference trying to actually seed everybody yeah so who do we look out for player wise on this on these teams yeah Western Kentucky is not a team that we've seen before so I'll try to focus on them just a little bit more Jackson Gray is their best hitter OPS of 1.02 just barely edging out Justin Carlin, who has an OPS of 1.019. 0.001 difference in OPS between the two guys. And they look kind of similar beyond that, too. Both get hits about 30% of the time they walk up to the plate and, and walks around uh, 10, 12% of the time they walk up to the plate. Singles hitters for both of them, mostly. Like most people are, it's easier to hit a single than anything else. But even then, going down the list, we have another OPS uh, 0.962 guy in Ray Zebrewer. The third, not to be confused with Ray Brewer, the second. And uh, Matthew Meyer has an OPS of 0.884. After that, it starts to drop off a little bit with some guys with some below below 8, below 7 OPSs. Uh, Southern Miss, meanwhile, also have two above 1.0 OPS guys. And then also people like Gabe Montenegro, who I was scared every time he came up to plate, came up to the plate when Tech played them, both in Hattiesburg and Ruston. It felt like he was always one big swing away from changing a game. Uh, Reed Trimble, though, is probably their best home run hitter. He's one of those guys with an OPS of over one and a 22% home run rate when he does get a hit, which is pretty incredible. Pitching-wise, though, Western Kentucky's pitchers have not been the best. Their best starter has an ERA of 3.88, and of their normal relievers, their best has an ERA of 2.60, which is not bad, but you'd hope your best, most often used pitcher 
has a little bit better of an ERA. Meanwhile, Southern Miss, their starters, their third best starter has an ERA of about what Jonathan Fincher has. So they've got some good guys. Hunter Stanley, Walker Powell, and Ben Etheridge have been their one, two, three guys. Maybe not again in that order, but three very good starting pitchers. And they have a bullpen to back it up too. Stat-wise, I'm surprised Southern Miss hasn't been as locked down, lights out, as they have, as these these stats say, because they have the pitchers that put up the numbers, they have the relievers, both starters and relievers, they have the batters that put up the numbers, but yet they, they've they been kind of in tech Charlotte and ODU shadow throughout the year. Yeah. And so all that being said, how do we think this game goes? Southern Miss looks like the obvious team to win it, but they haven't had the kind of success that statistically it looks like they should have. Uh, does that kind of unfortunate unlikeliness continue in this first round matchup or do they take what should be an easy win against Western Kentucky and move on in the winner's bracket? Yeah, I think they win. Same. Um, Yeah, same. And same here. All right. We all agree. So that sets up in the second round here, UTSA and Western Kentucky in the loser's bracket um, before we get to our inevitable ninth matchup with Southern Miss here. Yeah, I think UTSA is the better team. And so I think they beat Western Kentucky. I agree. Same. All right. What does that leave us with then now? So now we got Tech and Southern Miss, ninth matchup of the season. Tech leads the season series five to three, winning three down in Hattiesburg and two in Ruston. This is this is tough to, you know, to pick. I don't know, because I don't know who's going to be pitching. I don't know how long they're going to pitch for. I mean, you win this game. If you win your first two games, you're kind of in the driver's seat because then anybody else you have to play will be coming from the loser's bracket playing an entire extra game before they even get to you. And you'd have to lose twice to the same team to not advance um, to the title game. So this is kind of a pull out all the stops to win situation if you find yourself in it, I think, because you don't want to end up in the loser's bracket and have to come back and beat the team that just beat you twice. So I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think before I make my pick here? I already think that Tech was in the loser's bracket before this. Just again, for the record, I think they yeah. win that their first loser's bracket game. So either the first game or the second game, I really do think that they lose one of them. It's probably more likely they beat UTSA and lose to Southern Miss, like what we're voting on right now. But I can't see Tech winning both of their first two games with the pitching that they have. So you're saying Southern Miss? Yes. Well, that's a long, yeah. short answer. Yes, Southern Miss. Matt, what do you think? Tech's winning it all. Tech is? Oh, yeah. All right. I think that if tech wants to be the champions of this conference and if tech wants to host a regional, they got to go four and um through this bracket to make it to the championship game. Um, because like you said, Nathan, any extra games we have to play means more pitches for the bullpen. And that makes it less likely that we win. So I think they get it done against Southern Miss. We've proven, you know, multiple times on two different fields that we can get it done against them more often than not. So I say we do it this time too. And we move on um to face the winner of southern miss and utsa and nathan is just picking the opposite of matt and i so he's got to suck it up and you know no tech wins this one (laughs) if tech wins their first two they're running the whole thing i just don't think and i spoiler alert i think they're winning the whole thing no matter what but if they win the first two they're definitely winning the whole thing yeah so for now usm or utsa who you got in the losers bracket uh usm Hmm. I might. No, I can't have. Yeah, I'll I'll pick USM as well. Same. All right. And then I think we've all got Tech beating USM in the. Or wait, 
Okay, so now we're in a situation where Tech is undefeated and Southern Miss has one loss. Does Southern Miss force an extra game or does Tech take care of them two times in a row? I think it's an extra game, just the way this, this series has gone this year and just in the past. Yeah, so I, I if think... Southern Miss beats Tech out of the loser's bracket, um, then there would have another. to be an extra game on Saturday, which is the day that I have tickets to right now. So right now we have yeah. Charlotte. We have Charlotte not requiring a game on uh on Saturday, so hopefully my my thirty dollar ticket is not a waste of money, I guess. But um I, I don't think Tech will beat Southern Miss twice in a row. I think you know, I think it would take that third game. So I'll I'll agree with you, Nathan, and say Southern Miss wins um this second matchup here. And then Matt, do you think Tech wins it in two or or do we take the Tech. third game to win it? Tech wins it in two. All right. Well, Next up, we got Tech and USM again, and I think we all agree Tech wins yes. that game, bringing up a matchup one versus two in the title game, one game to take it all. Thoughts and predictions. Matt, what you got? Tech will get railroaded by Charlotte. I thought you said we were winning it all. I just deceived you. <laughs> you fell I for just, a trap card. I deceived all of you. <laughs> I made fools of all of you. Yeah, I, Tech. Just like Charlotte will make fools of us. Yeah. Uh, Tech doesn't have the well-rounded team to win the whole thing. It's a really, I've come to terms with, come to grips with the fact that this is just that, that classic stepping stone year that eventually never turns into a stepping stone because the entire coaching staff will leave and we'll just be right back at square one. Uh, so that's just going to be the way it is. They'll lose to Charlotte and it'll probably be by five or seven runs. Yowza. Um, Charlotte's good, but I think, it's a game that's going to be 10 to nine. You know, it's going to be the end of a, of a run the way we've got it out here. Charlotte will be playing their fourth game. Tech will be playing their fifth game. Um, so it's going to be, you know, Hey, Jarrett Worf's not ready to give you a whole, a whole, you know, five, six inning run here, but he can give you 20 pitches and Jennings can give you 25. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, um, if we make it this far, how we've approached the tournament and have we conserved anybody's arm for this? But um, I don't know, man, some special about this year. I think tech pulls it off, wins the game. I'll say 10 to nine in 11 innings, walk off uh, Manny Garcia walks it off. That's my yeah, prediction. Are you sure how this would work home or away? I was trying to think of, Ooh, actually kind of we'd be the away too. team. Wouldn't we? I think so. Okay. Well, I guess it's not a walk off then, but he, he takes the lead. Eight to seven in the top of the eleventh inning, and then we hold on to win. I don't think we're going to eleven innings. I think that's a a bit far. But I do think the bottom of the ninth will come again. Parker Bates will be at the bat again, and he'll swing his bat, hit a ball. It's almost out of here, but it's not quite. But it's enough to score the winning run. So I think Tech wins on an RBI by Parker Bates. That's not a home run. That's my overly specific prediction that doesn't need to come true because i just want tech to win the whole thing no matter how they do it of course then playing as the away team you still have to pitch and that's the scary part but so exactly so both of what so either your prediction or my prediction will come true and then matt's prediction will come true and charlotte will like hit a grand slam to win by four runs or something in the uh in the bottom of whatever inning um just just to break every last shred of hope that we've ever had in our program. Um, and Charlotte wins this college world series. Yes, of course. Of course. Speaking of that though, one more thing before we do tweet of the week and stuff like that, I want to do a quick prediction, whether or not you have tech winning the conference or whatever, 
do you think tech hosts a regional? Eh. I think eh. so because I've got them winning. So I mean, I have to believe that winning is going to be the the key to hosting. So yes, and I'll also say yes. I think win or lose, if we make it to the championship game, we host. Safe money's on no, but I think uh, I think you're right. I, I mean, we have a really good shot if we make it to the championship game, especially if it takes two wins over Southern Miss to get there. Um, that'll be a a good old RPI boost um, to help us out here in uh in postseason play so hopefully i get to go to rustin back-to-back weekends yeah and hopefully i can get a plane ticket to omaha yeah omaha. kansas city but either kansas way. city is a is a city are you sure because you seem pretty unsure about that I'm tired <laughs> well then let's go ahead and wrap things up because we have the tweet of the week left to do and in the podcast in an episode that we've talked all about baseball let's not do a baseball tweet evan what's this week's tweet of the week yeah, it is from Reddit CFB, who one hour ago, before we are recording this... Down um, to the wire here. Yeah, quote tweeted, Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, which I had no idea they changed their sponsor. Um, the dude's a tech alum, the CEO, by the way. He gave the graduation speech at the COAS graduation. Oh. Yeah. That's how I learned that they changed the name of the Independence Bowl. Um, you didn't get to watch Boston Scott at your brother's... Um, I tried to convince Jonathan to switch majors and become a college of liberal arts graduate just a few hours before graduating, but he didn't go for it. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, So for some reason, Reddit CFB decided to quote tweet the game story from tech beating Miami in the independence bowl two years ago, two and a half years ago. The original tweet says recorded the first shutout in independence bowl history yesterday, uh, 14 to zero over Miami in the 44th playing of the independence bowl. Then Reddit CFB says retweet. If you watched Miami get annihilated in the postseason before it was cool. So always fun to uh, have the national people on, you know, fun tech bowl memories, especially after last year. Yeah. So all that being said, that about wraps it up for this episode of the go tech, please don't die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T. D-I-E. Or head to our blog where we have the contest up right now. It's the final week. It's worth up to 13 points. And just like last week proved, it's not Stevens to win right now. He's actually tied in the first place. Oh, So man. there's a chance people can come back. All right, yeah, so we have Jake Stewart and Steven Spencer tied up at the top of the leaderboard. But still, we have, was that one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven guys within striking distance that can take this. Uh, depending on how they do on this week, that that the total possible score is 13 points. The idea is that the max score would be a, would be 88, but the, the the tie for first right now is at 33. So no one's quite getting up that high. But yeah, again, that's gtpdd.dog/contest. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. Please. but I'd rather be in Rustin where I can also go. So that's my take on that. Opinions never, ever shared. I want to be in Rustin. Damn. Yeah, uh, well, okay. This is the guy on a show <laughs> where probably 90% of the listeners live in Rustin. <laughs> yeah. Did they, um, really? Is there, do we have stat? Do we have info on that? I can't tell you where. I was going to say, if you know where everyone who lit, who listens to this lives, that's kind of weird, bro. Anyway. So oh, in terms of hosting, <laughs> 
What kind of power do you wield? <laughs>